Welcome to the final installment, if you will, of our series on choices. I hope that you've enjoyed this journey. Um, I have enjoyed the study of this series because it's actually been like more of a wrestle uh, to, to go through this. There's so much infor, information on here that uh, uh, is a blast to walk through. So I hope that you've caught some different things. And for those of you who haven't been here for the first couple of weeks, I like to uh, give a quick rundown of what we've hit on. And then I'm actually going to uh, do something different in the context of the message today. Maybe you realize you don't have fill in the blanks. You just kind of have space there on your note sheet because we're just going to discover together today, which will be kind of fun. Um, Psalm 37 says this in, in, in verse 23, if the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fail for the Lord upholds him with his hand. That's encouraging, right? So we have plans, and if the Lord delights in those plans, then we have this promise of, of like, not failing. And if you've ever had a fear of failure, I think we found a key here uh, to overcoming that, right? How about uh, Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2 that we've jumped into? I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Uh, there's such a beautiful promise there that if we'll allow our lives to be transformed, if we'll jump into that relationship with Jesus, then we have the opportunity to discover His good, pleasing, and perfect will, and uh, we'll be able to test and approve it. We'll look at that a little more here in a second. We, just, we landed the first week on discernment is discovered, that life brings understanding, if you will, We've read Job 12, 12 through 13. It's not, is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? To God belong wisdom and power. Counsel and understanding are His. So God gives us understanding in our life, allowing us to make great choices. Proverbs 15, 22, we looked at last week. Plans fail for a lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. The reality that discernment happens when we allow those with wisdom to engage in the discussion prior to our decision. And we just don't operate that well, that, that well in that zone in self-made America, right? We kind of are trained to, man, be a, a self-made millionaire, be a self-made, you know, you can self this. And, and it's like we're taught, man, if it is to be, it's up to me. But the reality is, if it is to be, uh, we really need to engage the counsel around us, those that are wise. Uh, so we looked at the need for transformation to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus so that we can discover the plan God has for us, right? It's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then we need the wisdom of God, elders, and friends 
around us the counsel of them and the Holy Spirit, who's a gift of counsel to us so that we can test and approve what His will is. Let's look a little more at this testing thing today through the lens of spiritual discernment, an interesting subject when you dive into it in, in Scripture. And the key, uh, the keys, if you will, uh, in spiritual discernment are very, very intriguing. First uh, Corinthians 2.14 says this, and it's in the English Standard Version, not sure what you usually use in, in, uh, in your Bible, but it says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. They're spiritually discerned. So, in a natural state, Things that are easily spiritually discerned are confusing to us, right? They're just like, really? Huh? That's how it works? And we could kind of hit a wall in our thinking. Then again, have you ever met someone who you just said, man, they are wise beyond their years? They're wise beyond their years. Well, the challenge is, and more often than not, you may find that those are people who do have a growing relationship with Jesus, that the spirit of discernment has been placed within them <laughs> through the Holy Spirit, that they would just have wisdom beyond their years. So what is spiritual discernment and, and who has access to it? Let's, let's just jump right in, like at least waist deep here today. 1 Corinthians 12.1 says, About spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. So, we're going to do a series later on in the summer called The Supernatural where we look at all these gifts and how they operate. But right now we're just going to look at one of them, but I've got to get the introduction through here of 1 Corinthians 12, 1. It goes then to, into verse 4 where it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. That's important to grasp, right? That... Okay, just because open life might not look like whatever church down the road, there's differences of ministries, but the Lord is the Lord of them both. We shouldn't have a false sense of pride, right? We should just realize we're on mission where God has us placed. Differences in gifts, differences in ministries. And then 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good for everybody right? First Corinthians, it starts listing all these gifts. And in verse 10, it says, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. See, we don't need the discernment of spirits if all we do in our faith relationship is show up on a Sunday morning, sit, fill in blanks, and go home. Like, honestly, we're not much of a threat at that point in the kingdom. So why would we need the discerning of spirits? Probably not going to be tested that strongly in our faith. Probably not going to have a bunch of people come after us and say, you know, whatever, trying to lead us astray. But when we're active in our faith, we need the spirit of discernment. We need spiritual discernment because there'll be more open doors than we can count and we'll need to discern which ones to go through. There'll be more people trying to distract us from the mission. 
And we need to discern to stay on track and not veer off to the left or the right. Spiritual discernment is more necessitated when we are active in our faith and will become, if you will, a vessel for the Spirit of God. As we're active in our faith, God will choose to use us as a vessel for the Holy Spirit to flow through and hopefully we are without obstruction at that point so that we can offer discernment to others. People will seek out that discernment from us the longer we're in the faith. Maybe some of you who've been followers of Jesus for a long time have discovered this, that you're more sought after for spiritual insight or guidance now than you ever were in the past. It's just a natural as time goes on. But if we confuse that for us being the source of wisdom, like if we're like, I am the most spiritual wise man, you must talk to me before making sense. If we get that false sense of pride, then we become a religious spirit, not the spirit of discernment. Very intriguing to kind of see the difference, a fine line. God's design is that we would discover His good, pleasing, and perfect will for us and pursue that to completion, just that we would take action. The completion of His will for us is the day we go to be with Him. It's never done. The adventure is lifelong, that we would go and do versus sit and become, that we would discover more than we would determine. Have you ever met like a a believer who just, man, they go to, they want to determine whether that is wise or not. I am going to determine a lot. You know, they're a thinker. I'm going to determine. But then you see someone who goes and does, and they discover and have a deeper conviction level of that same spiritual whatever, reality. It's just intriguing to me. Here at Open Life, we, we call that discovery, being on mission. Like you're all, you're on mission no matter where or what you do in life. The skill sets that you've been given, it's not that you have to choose to follow Jesus and then take on a whole additional perspective of behaviors and practices to be in the will of God or on mission with God. It's more so that, oh man, all these skills and gifts that I have been living out now, like God can use those. So you can be on mission in a lunch line at school. You can be on mission when you are at the bank hooking up somebody with a loan. You can be on mission even if you work at Microsoft versus Google. You know, you can be, I'm getting really personal with different people in the room. Uh, you, can, you can be on mission even if you don't like Starbucks. Well, anyway, uh, you know, if you coach in Sumner versus Bonnie Lake, right? You can be on mission. And so many different veins of life. You can be on mission. And we need to, to value God's spiritual discernment as we're on the mission, as we're out there actively using the gifts God has given us, and we're connecting, and we're serving, and we're sharing, and, and doing that in, in repetition. God can see our full potential come when we do have spiritual discernment in the process. When in action, following the direction of the counselor of our life, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of discernment 
is huge in order to ensure we're following the correct lead. That we can, and this is the testing that Romans 12 spoke of, the testing and approving of God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Not only do we need to ask and eagerly seek these gifts, what 1 Corinthians 12 encourages us to do, and not just as the church, but individually, we need, to, we need to seek these gifts for ourselves, but we need to pray these gifts for others. The spiritual realm is very real. And I think sometimes when we start talking about the spiritual realm, we have this mysticism and misconceptions that come. We just kind of get all, it's, it's awkward. It's a little different. Even when last week we were talking about the counsel of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit was our counselor, that just is a little different to grasp. You know, are we going to hear Him audibly? Is it an unction? How do I follow the counsel of the Holy Spirit? But even more now, we're talking the spiritual discernment. You can sometimes, people get all mystical about it, and they don't know how to follow spiritual discernment or allow spiritual discernment to flow through them. So we become the barrier from those around us experiencing the discernment of God for their life. So we need to be praying for one another that we would be an open vessel, a pure vessel. I I, I pray this often, God, make me a pure vessel that you can flow through me without obstruction. I don't know what really is happening in our bathroom right now. If any of you plumb, you might know and you can give me counsel and I'll listen. Uh, But they, uh, when, when like drainage happens in our bathroom in one way or another, not just toilet, but shower, there's a loud like gargly sound that's coming from like our bathtub. Probably not very natural, and it's getting louder, right? I know something is, is wrong in the pipes, and I'm going to have to get it figured out. Some of you with more experience in life are chuckling at my experience right now because you're like, oh, yeah, that's easy. You know, just stick something down that thing and carve it. I don't know, but I, I, I am, am listening to this, and, and I'm very aware every time the drain flows that I've got something going on in the pipes. Well, I think life, as I mentioned before, we all have sin. We all need to seek the forgiveness and cleansing of God, and we need to do that regularly because we in our life, our pipes get all clogged up. Our spiritual life gets clogged up by sin and, and the obstacles around us, and we just we need to go before the Lord so that we can flow without obstruction and be a blessing to others around us. Some of the greatest serving we can do for others to experience God is just to clean out our lives so that God can flow through us. Because we never know when we'll be called upon to be that person in someone else's life. 1 Thessalonians 5.21-22 through 22 says, Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. 1 John 4, 1 says it this way, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. I think it it's very important to realize part of spiritual discernment is not grabbing a hold of something that is literally like inspired by evil. It might look spiritual, but it's false spirituality. 
So we need discernment because the more action we're taking in our faith, the easier it is to grab a hold of something that's not really God. I've seen that discernment, I would, I, it's hard to put a percentage to it, but the spirit of discernment in my life, flowing through my life, has been way more present as it concerns spiritual discernment for others as it has been for my own self. Maybe it's because of what I do as a pastor, but it's places I've found myself in, in life. I, I've been at a, a summer camp where a leader at the camp uh, takes on a, a manifestation of sort, and you're going, what's happening? And you just have that moment where you're like, I don't… Bible says that God's not a God of distraction. Something really weird's going on. There's like chairs flying, and what's happening up there? And you sense, I couldn't see what was happening. There's music going loud, but I could sense something not of God is happening. Spiritual discernment just kicked in. It's not like I prayed that, that moment, Lord, tonight I know something's going to happen and I need the spirit of discernment. It was just more like in an instant, the spirit of discernment kicks in. I remember making my way kind of closer to, to the, the, the commotion and, and just being taken back. There were multiple churches at this camp going, you know, I don't know this person, but I do know that person is a leader here. But this doesn't I don't think this is God. I remember going to the youth pastor and saying, hey, this, do you know, like, what's the story here? Could this maybe not be God that's happening right now? And, and, and they're like, I'm not sure. What are you f- sensing? I'm like, I'm sensing it's not. And I go to an evangelist that's in the room, a friend of mine, and I was like, what are you sensing? It's not of God. Let's go. And we were just like, before you know it, we're praying for this person, and demonic spirits are released. And we were like, I didn't see that coming. Often, I remember being in a meeting with a young girl who was just struggling in her faith, and, and the, the mother was just distraught, and, and life just kept coming out ahead, coming out ahead, and we finally had a meeting because this person had actually been asked to, to, to leave the youth ministry because they were being such an a, a inappropriate distraction and just not responding to authority at all. And as we're talking about those issues in their life, I remember over here just more of a word of knowledge, which is another spiritual gift there in 1 Corinthians 12, but the spirit of discernment came upon me to allow me to have that word of knowledge and just mentioning an issue that was just off topic. And this young gal broke and her life course shifted just because of being open to the spirit of discernment that she needed, that the mom needed. None of them realized. And, and, and I, I'll never forget when those moments happen and students look at you like a deer caught in a headlight, you know, and they're just like, nobody knows that. And you're like, well, God knows everything. And he puts believers around us in our life so that we can have access to his never-ending, all-encompassing knowledge. We can be a gift to the world around us. God is able. That's why we sang this. God is able to reveal to us beyond human wisdom what we should do in an instant. And sometimes 
you'll be breaking out in a sweat when you follow through with what you hear from God. (laughs) Honestly, it's not easy sometimes what you feel like God is challenging you to do. So what is this? I, I, I want to do something a little bit different and and uh, as we kind of say, what does this all look like in action? Um, how, can, how can we operate in the spirit of discernment a little better uh, and, and, and more freely? And I think an example in Scripture can, can show us some truths that we can walk away contemplating today. And this is going to be one of those talks that maybe Thursday this week you go, yeah, okay, I get it. Maybe you're going to read through Acts 8 by yourself. I, I like Acts 8 because it involves this character named Philip. And what's happening in, in the book of Acts is the believers, you know, Jesus ascends into heaven. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. All kinds of people are choosing to follow Jesus. They're being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being baptized in water. They're together all the time. They have everything in common. Great miracles are happening. But then persecution breaks out. People are being killed. Uh, Stephen, just an amazing man of God, is stoned to death. And it says at the beginning of Acts 8 that the church is scattered. Sometimes God allows all kinds of things to happen so that we do what we're intended to do in the first place. We're supposed to be arrows out going into the community, going where we're at, where we're on mission in our workplace, in our world, being a representative of Christ, an ambassador of Christ. That's our job as those who follow Jesus, as those in a growing relationship with Jesus. We're supposed to be that person in the world we're in. And so, in this instance, persecution got them to go out. And they went, the the believers scattered, and we, we hear this dude named Philip is referred to as a believer. So that's what I love. It's all of us, right? Because this mission happens by people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. You know, students. The mission happens in, in youth world by students leading students into a growing relationship with Jesus. You're not always, you know, that's why I, I, we don't need like the the evangelist to come into a school and share the gospel for you. You are the evangelist for kids. Young kids, kids leading kids into a growing relationship with Jesus. This is how the mission works. And so I love that we can read this section in the beginning of the church about a believer that has been scattered in his behavior. So let's look at this. Let's, let's just take it step by step. Acts 8.4 says... Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip, saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So again, it's important to realize Philip is just a believer. 
But he has these promises in Scripture. He knows. He knows what he saw and, and heard about Jesus, that people were made well, that, that those who were filled with demonic spirits could be set free, and that's still the same today. If you're sick, we can pray for you. If you're, if, if you're feeling oppressed, we can free you from that through prayer. It's amazing. Not, not we as the church. We as any of us who follow Jesus can simply pray for those who are oppressed around us. And they can be set free. It goes on to say, For some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed that all the people of Samaria... He boasted that he was someone great. We all know someone like this, right? Maybe not a sorcerer-type individual, but the boasters. Uh, Verse 10, all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself, right? The great power, Simon. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. So here's this great power following a believer around, checking out what's going on. Philip's faith is reaching way beyond his own. This is more than self-improvement. This is more than showing up and getting a few nuggets that maybe he can walk out this week. This is more than kicking the tires. This is transformation as Romans 12, 1 and 2 promises, right? He's being transformed. Formed. And, and God, through that, is allowing him to sense his will and lead him to places of darkness that were desperate. In fact, the influencers around us, we need to go to them. That's, that's exactly who Simon was. Simon was the greatest opposition in that area because he was considered the greatest power over here. We'll meet Jesus, and then the greatest power all of a sudden is influenced and can be an influencer. God wants the influencers around us on His side. And influencers are influencers, whether for good or bad. We need to believe that God can transform their lives and be representatives of His gospel to them. Verse 14 says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the Word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Right? Because it was just a believer there sharing the Christ, baptizing people, healing people. When they arrived... They prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Right? He got out his app. He's like, dude... (laughs) Can I transfer that to, what, can I, you know, use square? No, okay. You know, but he did. In the day, he pulled out his money, and he's like, wow, my flashlight just came on. That's pretty cool. Anyway, uh, he's like, I, you know, I want to offer you money for whatever this is that you have. Verse 19 says, give me also the ability to the, uh, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Like, this is better than my magic, Right? 
Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps He'll forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. How do you think that would go over in our world today? You're dialoguing with somebody and they kind of say, man, I, this Jesus sounds interesting to you. If I give 10 grand or so to your church, can I get Jesus? Well, I see that you are full of bitterness and sin. I think you might make the news that night. I'm just saying, you know, it's kind of like that. This is aggressive. Like Peter was crazy aggressive here. I see that you're full of bitterness and sin. What he's saying there is, I have spiritual discernment, and I can see the root of, of this offer. I'm praying the grace of God for you. I hope that he forgives you for what you've just attempted to do. You know, just a few chapters ago in the book of Acts, some people tried to lie about their offering to God, and they were struck dead and dragged out of a church. So just a little backstory there. He's probably got that in his mind right now for Simon. He's like, <gasps> you know, some people do think if they show up to church, they'll be struck by lightning. I've yet to see this happen, but it, not saying it couldn't, you know, uh, uh, but I just look at this, and I'm just going, you know, Peter is exercising spiritual discernment or strong judgment, which look alike in this instance. See that you're full of bitterness. He had the ability to discern and actually really impacted the heart of Simon because Simon says, pray. That's kind of funny. Simon says, <laughs> Put your hands on your head. Simon says. Anyway, no. Um, we're all just like, what did Simon say? I missed the command. But anyway, uh, Simon answered. There, that's better. Sorry, I'm ADD and probably need meds. Here we go. Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Where somebody in our world today might get really mad if you told them that they were full of sin and bitterness and Simon, instead, he was like, pray for me. This isn't good. Pray for me that, uh, man, I do not, I do not want what you just said to come about. It's interesting. Peter, you know, he said, for I see that you're full of bitterness and captive to sin. In the Old Testament, they would refer to prophets and those who heard from God. They would refer to them as seers. I think it's interesting that because they could see that what that is, a spiritual discernment. I mean, man, you're, you're seers of the things that nobody else can see. So this seer, Peter, someone full of and operating in this moment in the spirit of discernment, was able to really allow Simon's heart to be softened. It, this, this part of the story ends, he says, when they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. All of this, this whole moment with Simon was stirred on by a believer being active in his faith. Just a believer being active in his faith. So here's the rest of Acts 8. 
Let's continue to read because this is what I really want you to catch. So there's this ball that's rolling and it's going a little faster and faster, right? Faith is, is picking up motion in Philip's life. An angel of the Lord, verse 26, said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in the chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. I love how obedient Philip is getting. Initially, he was just a believer scattered. Now he's this guy who's like hearing the Spirit. Like he's now discerning the will of of the Holy Spirit for his life. And and with he's just jumping out into obedience. How in tune are we with the Spirit? How well do we observe what God really wants us to do and walk through the doors that he wants us to? to walk through. What would that look like in your workplace or neighborhood or routine if God says, wait a second, don't take the train today. Drive. Okay. Don't go up 167. It's a parking lot. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for telling me that. Anyway, that would be any day. That may not really be God. But anyway, you, you, you just look at this and go, you know, he can steer you a different direction. Then you find yourself there. How, can, how many stories do you hear of people saying, I was supposed to be there? I know a person who was supposed to be in Oklahoma City a couple days ago. His coworker that went died. He chose not to go. Spirit of discernment. Verse 30, Philip ran up to the chariot. So, right, the Spirit says, go near it. Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? So, this is the first time in this story the Spirit didn't say, ask him what he's reading. Philip, in obedience, went south, and then he runs up next to the chariot, which the Spirit asked him to do, and he filled in the blanks from there. His faith is growing. His awareness is growing. His spirit of discernment is growing. So he's like, hey, do you know what you're reading? I don't know how he asked it. You know, I'm sure he didn't go, do you know what you're reading? You know, I'm sure it was more like, do you know what you're reading? I, maybe if you need, maybe I, can I help? You know, I don't know how it came across, but he's like, do you know what you're reading? Verse 31, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of uh, his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
That's our job in this world. From wherever someone is at in their life, from that point, share the good news about Jesus to them, that he's for them, that he loves them, that he's done everything to pursue them. I love how Philip shares the gospel from where this guy is at. He connects with him, serves him by offering maybe Maybe I could help. He's invited into his life, shares this role of spiritual discovery. Philip didn't invite himself, notice. Well, I'm the spiritual wise. I have spiritual discernment. I will explain to you. He waited until the eunuch said, well, can, can you help? I would be glad to. And he was invited in. As they traveled along the road, it concludes, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. That must have been wicked cool. <laughs> you know, it's like, ooh, he comes up out of the water. That was... Where'd the dude go that was just dunked? Is there a trail of water? You know, I don't know how that went, but that is a cool story. And, and, and I want to pause there and kind of conclude our reading there and ask you a question. How could you be a demonstration of the spirit of discernment this week? You probably can't answer that or no because it usually happens in an instant. Are you willing to walk through the doors that open this week? Fill in the blanks this week. A week ago, I was told, there's been an interesting two weeks, but I, uh, I wrote a blog about being salt and, and, you know, the reality of the passage that says we're supposed to be the salt of the earth and, and how I, I just naturally reach for salt before I taste food. Bad habit, right? And, uh, and, and start shaking that stuff out. And, and are we in a place in life, and I think the Spirit would lead us to be in places where we're connected with others so that when they needed salt, they would reach to us. When they needed us, they would reach to us. And it was just, are you being asked to come in? Well, I'm talking to a principal of a school, and, and, uh, and he had read my blog. And it was kind of interesting because he was reaching out to some people in that very way that were faith followers and he was like, that's so accurate. That's so what we do. We reach to those who are walking out the will of God in their lives. We become those who are reached out to. And if we're not being reached out to, we might just take a second look at what we're doing. Well, he said, you, I read your blog and I immediately thought of someone that I think you need to talk to. I was like, oh, yeah? He goes, I think you need to go out and meet with the principal of... of Wilkeson Elementary, because I think he's a person of peace in that city that may be a part of, I don't know, I just think you're supposed to do it. So I was like, okay. I shot a really weird email to the guy, just because that's, I'm weird. And he got that email, and, he, and he's like, who is this dude, right? And so he, the principals start emailing each other back and forth. The next thing you know, he's like, come to my office at 930 next week. Let's walk around the school. I want to show you the school. And I was going into this meeting with no agenda, 
just saying, God, you have a plan for this city that has two very traditional churches in it and 400 residents or something, you know, um, a city with incredible history, a school that's 100 years old, this elementary school. And I show up there and just start this dialogue, and I've never had a, probably a, a deeper conversation of faith and the action of God in a school than I did with that principal as we walked around the school from class to class just having a conversation about what God is doing there in a public school. Hope the district isn't listening to this. But anyway, you know, no, it's all good because it was just an hour of his time. But we were walking around and just looking and, 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 and it began, it was interesting. It took a turn. I was just walking out where I think I was supposed to go, this meeting. And, and all of a sudden he was like, I think open life could, could have a role on this campus. You know, in the fall, on October and 11th and 12th, we're doing a hundredth celebration. Why don't you guys come out and, and why don't you wear shirts that like say open life on them and serve people at the barbecue? And, and you know, let me show you our gym and here's some off classrooms. I think some day you can have a church here. In fact, I want open life in Wilkinson. And we're just like, I can't tell you how many cities we've been invited to. We need to reproduce ourselves because <laughs> people are hungry for what open life has in Bonnie Lake. Communities are hungry for the difference we can make in their cities. And it's because of the spirit of God. That's all it is. It's not anything magic that we're doing. We're not the great power it's the spirit that is within us that people are hungry for. And they're reaching out for this world-changing spirit of God. And we could be the transformers in whatever arena we're in. I was like, man, I remember I left the conversation at this elementary school. I said, you are on mission here on this campus, aren't you? He's like, it is amazing. I'm on mission here. And I was like, I love it. I love that stuff. And we have the chance to say that about wherever we work. How active are we with our faith? I felt I should read this final passage in closing before we, we're going to sing God is able again and just let all this sink in. But Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the element, uh, elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. I think it's, it's easy to not jump out in the adventure of following the Spirit and just stick with what makes sense and what we've done. That's why in this series, it, it was inspired because we often are really good at teaching right and wrong, but we don't teach what if God wants to color in between those lines in an instant where we find ourselves? What do we do then when we don't have a map? And I think God's going to continue to put us in those places. Will you be daring enough to hear his voice in those seasons? And I want to pray that over you today. I hope this series has challenged your thinking. There's some applications on the back of your Connect card. I hope you filled that card out. We do value the information on there, but there's some options of follow through for you. What actions should I take? We would love to know what you're going to do, but I want to pray for you um, as we, we close here today. God, you open doors that no man can shut, but sometimes we try to shut them. 
And it's just out of habit, really often, we find ourselves in a position where it's uncomfortable, it's new, and we feel it might be dangerous to walk through that door. I just pray that God, you would, you would help us to follow your lead and give us discernment. We know that that starts with a relationship with you. And uh, I just pray that God, you would transform our minds and that we could test and approve your good and pleasing and perfect will. But not just test it and know it, not just know the plan, but walk it out. May we be believers, every one of us in this room, that would be marked by the same behavioral patterns as Philip. No matter how dark it might be, just walk out that we're sharers of Christ, that we're connecting with people and serving them in whatever way you lead us to. And God, I just pray that you would give us the courage to, to follow your lead, even when you take us in spaces maybe we're unfamiliar with. And may we be in awe of what you do in and through us as we do that. In Jesus' mighty name.